Welcome to the No Meh Movies Podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright, it's average, it's just okay. If you ask your friend if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris, he's Darren Cross, and on this show we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad, and whether or not you should watch them, because on this show there are no meh movies. Now, we will give a spoiler warning. There will be spoilers ahead for the movie we chose this week to tie in with Avengers Endgame, which is coming out this weekend. We went back, not an MCU movie, but still a Marvel movie. We went back to 2003's Hulk. Now, just to give you a little bit to remind you of the criteria, a movie to be a meh movie must be between 40 and 60 on the tomato meter or 4 out of 6 on IMDb. And this movie hits the score on IMDb. It's a 5.7 on IMDb. It is a little bit higher. It's a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, on the tomato meter. Now, a quick synopsis before we get into it, in case it's been a while since you've seen it or you haven't seen it yet. The Hulk is a movie about Dr. Bruce Banner, who in this iteration at least, his father was also a scientist. Something in Bruce Banner is different, is changed. And after doing experiments with radiation, an accident occurs and mild-mannered Bruce Banner becomes the Hulk. And now the government and his father and his ex-girlfriend are all trying to capture him or help him. And he has to deal with this other side of him, the Hulk. So that's the quick synopsis for 2003's Hulk. So the first question, Darren. Were you entertained? Uh, I, I would say yes, I was entertained. Um, it's supposed to be an action movie. I would say it delivered on, on the action. Yeah, I, I, overall, I think it was pretty pretty entertaining from, uh, from beginning to end. The be- beginning kind of like hits you in the face because it moves very fast, uh, almost like comically fast a little bit, um, but it gets your attention. Um, and then like the scenes where he hulks out and everything, like those are pretty... Those are pretty good. Um, yeah, I would say overall entertained. I got to say I was not entertained. No? I was not. I uh, Maybe I was paying a little bit too much attention to the actual how the movie's made and how the movie's put together. Yeah. But it's so distracting that I spent more time focusing on the editing of this movie and the stylization <laughs> of this movie than actually being entertained by this movie. Okay. I, I will agree. The Hulk. The Hulk scenes were entertaining. Yeah. The Hulk, I don't think the Hulk could not be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> In all iterations of the Hulk, anytime he turns green, you're like, yes, this is it. This is yeah. what we came for, finally. Right, right. right. Uh, which this movie's got some problems in that regard because th- how long into the movie do you think it takes the Hulk to sh- actually show up? It was a while. It was like, if I had to guess, like 30 minutes. 42 minutes. It takes almost 42 minutes for the wow. Hulk to actually show up in this movie. Um, to even to tease you about what the movie's about, like it, they don't even give, they barely give any hints that like the Hulk is coming until about forty minutes into the movie. Yeah, yeah. And when he does show up, so he doesn't show up for forty minutes. And when he does show up, if you remember, nothing triggers him. They just cut to him in his lab late at night, and he's like reminiscing and gets himself all worked up, and hulks out in his first fight the first fight he has with the hulk is with an office building he literally <laughs> fights the building around him and smashes things 
which I think might have been the inspiration for Smash Rooms. <laughs> it probably was. Like yeah, it literally, right. it's smashing beakers, smashing computers. <laughs> like someone saw that and was like, "I have an idea." <laughs> what if we just break everything? <laughs> um, so, what did you th- like? What did you think sitting through that beginning where there's no Hulk? I mean, I you know they're they're trying to build a backstory, which I get. Um, and it, it, I guess it is interesting that it took that long because like I said before, like the, the first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie, it like is in like hyperspeed. It's very odd. They're just, and, and, and the way they cut it, which I know is on purpose, kind of like comic booky. It's just like scrolling panes of new scenes that just like fly by. So it's like, this is a scene, scroll pane, this is a scene, scroll pane, this is a scene. And it's just like flying by and you're just like, what's happening? And it's all like all the acting through there is it. I don't know if it's the acting was bad through there or the speed made this acting seem bad. But it was like somebody like they flipped another seat and like some angry general walks in and is mad at uh, Bruce Banner's dad for whatever. And it like knocks his microscope over and then that scene's over. And then someone else, it just like it's like so fast and you just can't really, you know, like am i watching the hulk like what what movie is this yeah uh so this movie is often referred to as the ang lee hulk ang lee like, ang lee the director ang lee that's oh, how they I refer see. to it okay. as the ang lee okay. hulk got it and i i got to imagine it's because of that stylization it's because of that editing that comic book feel that he was trying to create which i agree works in some places absolutely does not work in other places yeah uh, the opening scene, yeah, it does create pacing to the opening scene. I think I would say it passes in the opening scene, although it is jarring. You're yeah. like, like you said, what am I watching? Yeah. Uh, the other time I think it works is when they're like transporting him to the desert, like yeah. late in the movie. The montage, like of the helicopters. Yeah. yeah. If you want to do that in a scene like that, where you're, you know, something that would be boring of trucks driving through the desert, you make it more exciting. All right, now we got army vehicles and all different spots and different camera angles and. You know, it makes it exciting. Uh, if people just having a conversation in an office, not not <laughs> <Yeah>. exciting. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I specifically remember a scene when um, Glenn is walking out of the lab after he went in there trying to ask for their research. And, like, he just walks away. And you get every character in the room's point of view. From <laughs> all in one screen, you get like six point of views <laughs> of him just walking through a door. <laughs> yeah, it's like they couldn't make up their mind. Whose point of view should we show? Ah, just show everybody's point of view. Like, let's just... <laughs> every take we have of this, let's put it on screen. Yeah. Um, my most useless moment of the split screen was when Talbot, when Glenn Talbot first shows up, Jennifer Conley, uh, Betty Ross is about to get on the elevator or something like that. And he comes through the door behind her and she turns to look at him and they do a split screen. That's almost the same angle. (laughs) It's all it's it's one shot is slightly to the left about the same medium framing. And they put them both on screen. at the same time. I'm like, no, you at least have to show a different angle if you're going to do this each time. Yeah. Do you like one from his perspective and one from hers or something like that? Yeah. This movie is kind of known for this, right? I, I can't think of another comic book movie that stylized like this. And no, not a comic book. You see, like, and and I can. It made me think of. They do a little bit of it, I think, in uh, like the Bourne trilogy, a little bit in some of the scenes. 
with like a split screen yeah yeah, yeah or they'll show like a, a box will pop up that's only taking a third of the screen that's a different angle of something but i can't think of another superhero movie where it was done scott pilgrim maybe yeah scott pilgrim it has a lot of the comic book yeah maybe style that, yeah. in it but it felt more organic yeah like it felt like it fit the world that the characters were living in whereas yeah. this wanted to be like well, well we'll talk about what it actually wanted to be in a little bit but <laughs> it wanted to be like a gritty uh, military movie yeah but then the comic book style on top of it just didn't yeah it's so jarring it's yeah. so jarring the whole movie all right does the movie do what it was supposed to do I don't even know what it was supposed to do. Entertain us? <laughs> Teach us about the Hulk? Like I get <laughs> Did it superhero? You know, did it Yeah. It's not a monster. Is it a monster movie or is it a superhero movie? It's definitely more monster than superhero movie cuz he doesn't I mean short of maybe he he saves Yeah, he saves Betty from the dogs. So I guess that's superhero-y. But outside of that, he's just really kind of defending himself from constant attacks. Yeah. So we should almost stop. Because I was comparing this to other superhero movies that were coming out of the time. But we should also compare it to more monster movies that were yeah. coming out at the time. Uh, so does it does it monster well? I think of classic monster movies. You know, Frankenstein. So I will tell you that uh, the inspiration for... Uh, the Hulk came from when when um, Stan Lee was first writing it came from a combination of Frankenstein's monster and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay, that makes sense. So that's kind of the inspiration. So yeah, so let's think Frankenstein movies. You know, does this work as a Frankenstein movie? I, I guess if you put it in, in that perspective, it it kind of works in that the, you know, I think what they're going for is this guy's a monster, but they pull on your heartstrings about like what he's going through. So he's a victim too. He's not just attacking people for no reason. And so I guess maybe it executes monster movie better than superhero movie. The thing with a, a monster movie is the other characters on the hunt are feeling threatened. They're feeling attacked, but the monster almost has to feel just as threatened, just as attacked. And I never felt like Bruce was he was scared of what was happening to him but i don't feel like he was ever scared of the military or the villagers you know with the yeah, pitchforks yeah. coming to get him that's true that's true he seemed uh annoyed by them but never necessarily <laughs> scared he yeah, was pretty like they were pretty confident way. in his, his abilities <laughs> yeah which how does he even know what his abilities are yeah. like yeah it's brand new he seemed pretty confident that he could just like jump out of the roof of that building and fly <laughs> I'm or just Hulk jump. Put my hand up and block these bullets. It'll be fine. Yeah, the first time they <laughs> shoot at him. I thought of that because we've seen the Hulk get shot at yeah. tons of times. Yeah. We know he's basically bulletproof. He didn't know that the first time. Right. Moving on. Did the actors bring it? I think this is my favorite question for this movie because, and you might disagree with me, I think more than anything, Nick Nolte brought it. <laughs> Nick Nolte this might be Nick Nolte's best performance ever <laughs> when they're sitting in that when they're in the like room after they catch him for the second time yeah they're like sitting in a in a room he's like tied there 
he's tied to the chair in between like some sort of something that could instantly kill him is it like a gamma ray thing or magnetic field of some kind yeah something where if they pressed a button he could instantly be killed and nick nolte shows up and he sits in the chair across from him and he puts on this display of like he played he's the perfect like mad scientist like nick nolte is the perfect mad scientist his hair is long in the movie it's kind of crazy and then he goes on about like hating the government and like they're in control of everything and we have to do x y and z to break free and like this so it's like mad scientist conspiracy theorist and like what who's who's the ultimate mad scientist who experiments on his kid that's the ultimate mad scientist <laughs> and you playing off of that is eric banna who was playing some kind of tortured soul yeah the whole scene yeah i think i mean at least i think that's what he's supposed to be so that whole scene made me think of like a one act like made me think <laughs> of like some like small theater in new york city yeah <laughs> where you get like 15 people to show up and two chairs on stage and these two actors perform this tortured father and son scene tragedy in front of you and because that's the way they framed it. That's the way yeah. they staged it. Yeah, yeah. There's just the two of them, chair, spotlight. The only light, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was... that was a, Nick Nolte was in a whole other movie at that point. <laughs> um, and then when they're done, everybody just snaps their fingers instead of clapping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why well, wasn't the military out there just snapping along? <laughs> um, so, all right, if you're going to bring up that scene, then that's going to lead me into um, some of the research I was doing on this. Apparently, Ang Lee was trying to make the Hulk a Greek tragedy. Hmm. And I think that's where this scene with Nick Nolte and the other scene where he's talking to Betty Ross in like his house. Yeah. I think that's where these two scenes come from. Yeah. I could see that because he and and that's actually like and and not knowing a ton about Greek tragedies or reading them much. I guess maybe that's what what sold me a little bit on Nick Nolte's character was he was quite eloquent in like these speeches, like very un-Nick Nolte. And I, maybe that was intentionally written that way to try to tie back to these like famous tragedies. The problem with the Greek tragedy is you need the tragic hero. Yeah. The downfall of the tragic hero. And in this movie, you don't really have that. Like Bruce... Yes, what's happening to Bruce is tragic, but the tragic hero is supposed to ultimately fall in the end. Like yeah. the the world crumbles around them and they crumble with it and they go down with that world. Yeah. But that's not a superhero movie. In superhero right. movies, the character saves the day and lives to fight another day. Unless Thanos snaps you out of existence. <laughs> Damn Thanos just does whatever he wants. <laughs> um so I don't know why you're trying to turn the Hulk into a Greek tragedy. In the comic books, uh, he is tortured by his father. Like, he does have those tortured memories of his father. His father was abusive. His father was abusive to his mother. Uh, in the comic books, again, spoilers, His fa- this is back in the 80s, his father eventually does kill his mother. But the Hulk has been around since the 60s, and his father doesn't get introduced until the 80s. So there's already tons of kind of Hulk lore built up for they even introduce the character of the father. And this movie makes it seem like his father is the origin story of Hulk. 
you know, that he created him. Maybe Nick Nolte's character, maybe the father is actually the tragic hero because his experiments caused the son to be born this way and yeah. everything crumbles around him. Yeah. Looking at, at both when we were talking earlier about mo- monster movie versus superhero movie, maybe that's kind of where it fails the movie because it doesn't have an identity because if it was true monster movie and it was trying to execute the Greek, Greek tragedy, then the main character, the monster dies in the end for sure. Yeah. If it's true superhero movie, then can't really be Greek tragedy because superhero never dies in the end. Unless yeah. it's the, unless it's the real end end. unless Thanos sucks you out of existence. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's, or if you sacrifice yourself for the greater good, right? You know, we've seen that in sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so maybe, maybe that is, one of the things that this movie struggles with is it is it monster movie goes back to the monster movie versus because you can be a monster movie and that that goes better with the theme of the greek tragedy i think than trying to make it a superhero movie yeah i mean some of the characteristics you'll see in greek tragedies are fighting powerful matriarchs okay so they're fight the government that's that whole speech about the government and we're better than them and um but yeah there's no tragic deaths besides the the mom yeah uh that happens at the beginning kind of happens at the beginning of the movie but none of our main characters you know no harm comes to any of them no um it is a close family drama i guess but still without that without the tragic hero yeah i agree doesn't quite hit it all right so other actors talk about talk about the actors back to that the actors who brought it. I think my standout performance, and Nick Nolte was fun. I will admit, I think Nick Nolte's fun in a lot of stuff. Like, and they really let him go. Oh like, yeah, hey. it was great. <laughs> um, the other actress, uh, the other actor was Jennifer Conley. I thought that she was a pretty darn good Betty Ross. I, I felt how struggled she was, the strained relationship with her father in this. Aside from the opening scene with Bruce, the first scene they have together. Like, that is the ex-girlfriend from hell. <laughs> like, oh, boy, I'm just not attracted to emotionally unavailable guys. Like, thanks. I'm standing right in front of you. You broke up with me. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's work together. And that's why you don't date at work, everybody. Yeah. Um, but everything from beyond that, like, the she brought, I thought, the most emotional weight to the scene she was in. I thought... She was truly scared, you know, during the Hulk dog scene. Yeah. Um, and then the scenes where they're, you know, they finally knock Bruce out and they're transporting him. Like, you felt the real connection, the real emotion she had for Bruce Banner. Yeah. Overall, the acting was good. Um, the thing that, and I don't know if this was her or if this was written to be this way, but when the um, pursuit of Bruce kept being pushed by her father, like, I don't know if we're just supposed to assume her like inner struggle between like, oh, she loves Bruce, but she knows it might be the right thing to pursue him and she respects her father or whatever it is. But like, I didn't feel like she was like upset about it as much as you thought she would be based on their relationship. Like they're like, she's you're overhearing the dad like calling all these orders to like shoot on site or whatever, kill on site. And she's just sort of like, staring off into the distance she's not like no dad you can't do that you know i mean which maybe would have been an overkill but like 
so I don't know if we're meant to assume that like she's just like torn inside, like trying to figure out who she should support. But that was the only thing that I that stuck out to me that I was like, what? Like, don't does don't you care what's happening to him right now? Do you think she could play? Do you think any of these actors could play in the modern MCU? I think she could. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. It'd be actually be interesting to put her in like a superhero role and see how that goes because I think the acting overall was good. I mean, Nick Nolte would make a perfect bad guy. <laughs> he could be great as a bad. Just invent a new bad guy. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he turned himself into a <laughs> absorbing man. You know, that's how he's absorbing all the right. powers. He's does he show, But he doesn't. He, touches. he hasn't shown up in any of the movies. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't. I don't think he ever had superpowers in the comic books. I think he was always just kind of an asshole character that was around Bruce Banner and torturing him. There's, yeah. I was reading there's times when like Hulk goes, Bruce like dies and goes to some kind of hell where then he's tortured by, you know, a- characters from his past. And of course his father shows up there. Okay. I don't think he's ever had s- real superpowers. Yeah. 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 I thought um, Talbot, I thought he was a good sort of like, greasy money hungry kind of so like kind of like a Corey Stoll in Ant-Man where he's sort of just like before even he he you're worried about him like being any sort of villain he's just like an asshole and so I thought that um the guy that plays actor that plays Talbot's character Josh Lucas Josh Lucas could fill in in something in that same vein yeah, I could see him playing a slimy lawyer. Something I could like see that. him playing yeah. uh I ironically, um, right before this movie came out, I was looking at a little bit of Josh Lucas's uh IMDB here, and he's played lawyers before. Um he was in the TV show The Firm. Uh, he was in he was in the Lincoln Lawyer, but right before this, I wanna say a year a year before this came out. He played the boyfriend in Sweet Home Alabama, Ooh. which I was expecting. I was like, oh, yeah, another perfect, like, greasy character. But no, I remembered he's actually the good guy in Sweet Home Alabama, like the hometown guy, mm. the southern guy, the charming guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. He's not always the slimy, creepy <laughs> corporate guy. He's not, he's not typecast. In the- <laughs> yeah, he's got another speed. Okay. Um. Yeah, that was an interesting choice to make him more of a corporate character. Yeah. I would say because so in General Talbot in the comics is I think more of a, he's always a sort of a foil to Hulk, but more of a gruff military man, a general. Yeah. Um, usually under Thunderbolt Ross, usually uh, General Ross's sub, um, subordinate. subordinate. Yeah. Um, but usually a thorn in the side to hulk so uh, they got the thorn in the side part right yeah like he was definitely a pain in the ass to hulk the whole movie yeah i don't know maybe they just like josh lucas and wanted to make it a younger character there there have been romantic things in the comic books with betty ross and talbot like he's pursued her i think sure so again a romantic foil also yeah yeah for bruce banner um speaking of him having like power or being above ross how about the scene where he when the the second time he hulk i think it's the second hulk out time where like they're watching bruce banner's house like the government 
And the dude just like walks in. He's like, no, just let me through. I need to talk to Bruce. <laughs> he just walks in the dude's house, but there's like armed guards waiting outside. <laughs> That's the power of Atheon. Yeah. Right? The Atheon right? company. Oh, he works for Atheon. Oh. Let him through. Shady government organization, <laughs> Atheon. All right. We got two other actors in the main cast that we should talk about. I guess we'll save we'll save Bruce Banner for last. Because okay. the other big hitter alongside Nick Nolte is Sam Elliott. Yeah. Man, Sam Elliott plays a grizzled <laughs> a grizzled character so well. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbolt Ross is known for his anger. Like that's his trait in the comic books. Is yeah. that's why he's Thunderbolt because he flies off the handle and right. gets angry. Um, which fits in a Hulk story because it's all about anger. Uh, what did you think of Sam Elliott as Thunderbolt Ross? I thought he di- he did a good job, but I, I don't know. Like in in my mind, and this is just me that like I always see Sam Elliott as his character in Big Lebowski. Like that was such a great character that it's so hard to like unsee him, and he's. St- it's like a totally different um, personality in this, and so it's kind of like he's like very clean cut and like to the point and all. You know, you know, and in, in Big Lebowski, he's like laid back, like cowboy kind of thing. Like a, he plays a cowboy a lot, right? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's his thing, right? And so it's it's weird to see, and a cowboy is sort of like an outlaw, right? So he's the he, he and he's on the opposite side of that in this movie. So I think you know, I think he's a convincing general because when you think of like a guy that's been in the army for 30 years like they're like gruff like he is um but it it was weird kind of like our with our previous episodes see seeing bernie mac as a baseball player it's weird seeing um sam elliott sam elliott as a general yeah yeah i he's played authority figures before i'm thinking of uh tombstone he played one of the erps i think he was the senior erp Okay. Um, so he's played sort of an authority figure before uh, Gettysburg. He played a general. Um, but yeah, I, it's kind of more fun to see him in that laid back cowboy, uh, Big Lebowski roadhouse yeah, playing the yeah, bouncer yeah. in roadhouse that just uh, lets everything roll off him. Yeah. Uh, but he was a pretty good general. I, I believed him. I yeah. believed he was a military man. Uh, maybe it was the mustache. Maybe it was just <laughs> it was the perfectly trim mustache. It was perfect. <laughs> like I know some some actors have to spend like three hours in makeup right before they get on set. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Sam Elliott spent like an hour with a mustache groomer <laughs> every day before they rolled film. All right. Sam Elliott employing people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which leaves <laughs> somehow We've left the main character for last. <laughs> Eric Bana playing Bruce Banner. I, I I really don't have like an opinion either way. Like he was very vanilla. I thought like because you know he he does he does a great like stare into the ether contemplation kind of look he has a great look for that but it's not necessarily it's not convincing that it's like a, oh uh, there's i'm being tormented in my own body like trying to figure out what's going on he's just kind of you're like yeah he could be thinking that or he could just be thinking about like 
cheese pizza you know like it could go either way because he's just kind of this like kind of random stare into nothingness you think eric ban is a cheese pizza guy i do you think yeah vanilla just like this character <laughs> plain <laughs> eric Vanna, if you're listening please tweet at us and tell us what kind of pizza you order <laughs> yeah I, I i agree i i didn't believe that he was in love with betty ross i didn't believe that he was actually angry he played a great scientist in that like weird like you know people a lot of people who tend to be very book smart are very kind of socially awkward which is what Bruce Banner supposed to be. Right. Right. But he was just kind of awkward in like that you could never tell what his emotion was unless he was screaming, which he did a couple times, but Yeah, like Mark Ruffalo might be a little bit too much fun to be like a tortured scientist. Edward yeah. Norton might have been a little too cool yeah. to be a scientist, yeah. but I I guess the scientist part, the introverted scientist part, I believe. That that you can buy, yeah. Being in love with Betty Ross, I I couldn't believe that. No, no. Or like really be like he would say that he was like mad at his father, but like it didn't really come through. He would just kind of like shrug and like look the other direction. Dad, I'm mad at you. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a you killed my mom and made me this way mad. It was like you didn't let me drive the car this weekend, Matt. <laughs> I want my video game controller back. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to where does the movie succeed and where does the movie fail? What successes do you have? Uh, I'll go back to successes were the action scenes. I thought they were pretty solid. Um, yeah, like him, his hulking outness and kind of just like destroying stuff and the fight with the dogs was pretty good. I don't know why they decided to choose one of them to be a poodle especially like a, a groomed poodle <laughs> which was the scariest character oh, yeah. in the movie oh it was terrifying <laughs> the other two dogs were like yeah i've seen angry dogs before but like a freaked out honked out poodle come on it's terrifying i just liked that it was like perfectly groomed but also like about to bite your face off um so yeah so action scenes i thought were pretty solid um wait hang on i gotta go back David Banner, Hulk's dad, can barely groom himself. (laughs) (laughs) He must have like some spare cash around. He just takes it to some groomer. I don't know. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anyways, other successes you had? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It was mostly. It was mostly that. I mean, again, I'll I'll say I'll re-say that I I do think the old version of the dad he his kind of like mad scientist conspiracy theorist thing was, was a success. I think that kind of hit. Um, yeah, I don't know. What about you? So for successes, I'm, I'm also going to go with some of the Hulk stuff. Uh, the fight scene in the desert. I really like the fight scene in the desert and it, once he, once they show him the way, show him the way out. Yeah. Uh, and he gets out of the base and you notice the audio drops out. Yeah. And he's just kind of alone in this desert. And then all of a sudden, here come missiles coming down and grenades coming down. But no sound still. Right. Until he engages with the tanks. I don't think the music track comes back in. Yeah. Which is really cool. Which is a really cool choice. Uh, and then that whole fight scene was paced really well. So the way you know, he attacks the first tank, uh, does the 
the greatest hammer toss of all time. <laughs> they nailed that. Um, I love that. Watching yeah. them swing around and launch that tank. Yeah. It's perfect Hulk right there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I gave that fight scene like an A+. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Some other successes I had. There's not going to be many of them. <laughs> I, I, I got to say that that might be the only success I could say <laughs> in this movie was that was that I talking a little bit about the Hulk and um, a lot. Some people have complaints about the CGI look of the Hulk. Like I, I'm reading things where people are saying it looked too much like Shrek. Yeah. And you know, 2003 um, to compare this. Just to let you know, like where we are in movie history in 2003, and especially as far as effects go, uh, this came out the same year as the number one movie this year. Can you guess what the number one movie was in 2003? I will tell you that it's an animated movie. Ooh, animated movie in 2003. The first Toy Story close finding nemo nice yeah finding nemo was the number one grossing movie okay. in 2003 all right number two we got lord of the rings return of the king the uh, final lord of the rings now look at the creatures in that look at the monsters in that yeah yeah uh pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl so we got all the the zombie pirates right yeah, yeah. we got matrix re- we got actually both matrix movies sequels we're in 2003. They both came out in I completely forgot. One came out in May. Matrix Reloaded came out in May. And Matrix Revolutions came out in November. Wow. 2003. I couldn't even... Im- Churn those out. I mean, yeah. Like, even these two Avengers movies have been, like, a year apart. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we get into superhero movies here, the first... The top grossing superhero movie was X2, X-Men United. Okay. So, we got these special effects. So, I mean, the special effect game is pretty high in 2003 yeah and uh industrial light and magic did the effects for hulk and i think they were you had uh Gollum and lord of the rings so you have motion capture going on but i, I it wasn't really available to everybody like it is today yeah. so they did a little bit i think of motion capture apparently they used the same technique they used to film dobby in the harry potter movies and those movies were done about the same time i think i want to say that harry potter the second harry potter came out 2002 so a year before so that's that's where they were kind of doing the cg for hulk and some people hated it some there's some pretty bad reviews about it i i didn't mind it i believed the scenes the hulk was in i believed yeah i thought it was pretty good I, i thought it was um it didn't look like overly fake but then at the same time, like with especially like a character like that, where they're taking, uh, you know, a lot of superheroes are superheroes, but they still have the human form. When you're taking a character, the superhero or whatever he is, monster, whatever you want to call him, who's changes and is no longer in the human form, you have to give a little bit of leeway to like, all right, you know, it's going to look maybe a little unrealistic or a little superficial, but, um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it looked pretty, pretty solid. Ironically, they they originally were trying to model him after bodybuilders, but thought that they were too. I think it was they were too stiff. The bodybuilders so were the too bodybuilders. Stiff? The movements were too stiff, okay. so they changed it to model it after like personal trainers, yeah. so a more toned look, and then yeah. you know, just piled muscles on top of it. <laughs> right, just more and more muscles. Yes. 
He does change size. Did you notice he changed his different sizes did. depending on how angry he is? Yeah, I thought that was a that was a cool thing. And and me not being as educated in the comic book world as others is that historically accurate to the comic book? Do you know? I yeah, I think it is. I think in some iterations, yeah, he can change yeah. size depending on how angry he is. Yeah. The other thing they did was uh, fun Hulk fact. Going back to the beginning, the Hulk was originally supposed to be gray. Shut the front door. I know. Shocking. But they had trouble coloring in the 60s. They had trouble with the gray color and the consistency of the gray color. And it tended to bleed a little bit towards green. And so then they just change it to green for the next set of issues. Uh. So there have been iterations of the Hulk. So I believe I didn't notice it. Reading some of the reviews, some people have mentioned that in the first time the Hulk appears, he's a little grayish green. It okay. becomes more green later in the movie. Okay. That's kind of an homage to the early coloring, yeah. the early style of the Interesting. Hulk. Interesting. Yeah. So we could have had a gray Hulk. The big gray angry man. <laughs> Speaking of angry man, General Ross does call him angry man. <laughs> he does. At some point. <laughs> That's two movies in a row. People are just trying to give nicknames. Yep. China. <laughs> doesn't quite it stick. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't monstrous. <laughs> God, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if only he could have had a cameo in this movie <laughs> so you got any failures yeah <laughs> i think we covered a few so the definitely the um execution of monster movie versus superhero movie and how that plays into the the director's tone of kind of trying to take like a a Greek tragedy approach. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we covered a lot of them, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely more failures than successes in this movie. Yeah. I, so something this movie does is the, the use of time. It's not a linear story. Yeah. And I, sometimes not only are there flashbacks, you sometimes have flashbacks within flashbacks, Yeah, double flashback. And I don't, I don't think it was really helping the pace of the movie. Yeah, like he's the one where he's looking at that picture sitting at his desk, and then we're in that picture for 20 minutes, I think. And yeah. You're, and you're like, and it, it kind of, I think, is there to, to kind of help the, tell the relationship story between Bruce and Betty, but like, I don't let it really help that much. If, if you want to do that type of flashback where you're telling the story in pieces and giving us information as we need to know it, then don't give us that whole scene in the beginning with his father and baby Bruce and like give us those pieces as we need it. Right. So, you know, we see Nick Nolte's character come in and it's kind of mysterious. We don't know why this guy's here. We get a little glimpse back. Oh, he was a scientist too. The use of flashback should be to give us a key piece of information that we need to know at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. They, re- they really could have totally done without the opening that really fast-paced opening 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it was, and they could have just opened with, here's a guy that is a scientist working on this really interesting stuff, and then all of the other backstory could have been pieced throughout. Which is kind of how the comic books are written. When you first get introduced to Bruce Banner, he's a scientist working on radiation, and it's the 60s, and they're worried about the bomb and studying radiation, and yeah. And then you find out this stuff about his father and his tortured past later. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I, it was an interesting choice. I don't necessarily think a great choice to smash all that stuff in the beginning. Like, I don't think it really helped the story. 
the other failure, I hate to say it because he's a good director. He's a great director. I, the directing, Ang Lee, uh, I got to say, the directing was kind of a failure for me. Um, I mean, Ang Lee's done some amazing things in his career. Uh, he's known for uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Great Life of Pi. Amazing visual movie. Yeah. Um, but the visuals, I I admire that he had like a bold stance and he was going for something. Like he clearly was committed to this vision, this idea. There were so many close-ups, so many tight shots. I mean, conversations is just like cheek and eye and just filling the whole frame. And I don't know why he was so close. He spent the whole movie in close-ups like that. Yeah. Or at least yeah. the first hour and a half of the movie in close-ups like that. And yeah, really until like the desert seat fight scene. Otherwise you were just like in people's faces. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why I, maybe it was going back to the Greek tragedy and trying to show the emotion and the pain of the Greek tragedy. Like he was clearly trying to show pain. Yeah. You know, close up on Eric Bana being really tortured. Yeah. That's my biggest failure. Uh, my biggest failures in the movie. Um, all right. Moving on to a favorite segment of mine. We'll see if it's a favorite segment of yours is what do the critics say? And I've been looking over some of these critic comments, and I got to say, there's some fun ones in here. <laughs> yes. Uh, should we start with the positive reviews or the negative reviews? What do you want to start with? Positive. Okay. So this is a, a positive review from David Anson of Newsweek. He said, where so many comic book movies feel as disposable as Kleenex, the passionate, uncynical Hulk stamps itself into your memory. Lee's movies are built to last. Wow. He really liked that movie. And he really hates other super... Maybe that's why, because this is a monster movie and not a superhero yeah. movie. Maybe that's why he hates comic book movies so much. Yeah, he just loves monster movies. I, I feel like today's audience is kind of telling him that comic book movies aren't disposable as Kleenex. Like, <laughs> maybe in the 90s, you know, maybe the early, like, Fantastic Four movies and stuff like that, yeah. but... Comic book movies are not disposable as Kleenex anymore. I no. mean, you got, I think starting with Batman in 1989, it, they have a pretty good track record. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, do you think this movie's built to last? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to, I mean, look at what we watched well, it 16 years later. And it's still like, <laughs> so. If if Rotten Tomatoes is accurate, this review was written in 2010. Oh. The Incredible Hulk, the reboot, came out came in out. 2008. It already came out. I think a reboot clearly tells you that this movie isn't built to last. We, I mean, today we might reboot something that's built to last just for the money, for the cash-in. But yeah, yeah. I mean, think of a movie's built to last. They're not going to remake it five years later. No. All right. Another positive review. Okay. This is from Andrew Saris from the observer i don't know i don't doesn't say what the observer's from <laughs> just the observer uh an interesting effort to give one of the staples of mass entertainment something extra in the way of insight and feeling did you gain any insight or feel the feels no no i did not and I think that I mean we we talked about it like it's a, the the tortured soul thing that's supposed to be the Hulk or Bruce Banner like just didn't come through like kind of just like eh. 
he's he got mad and and he smashed stuff and life went on. I guess we're supposed to learn something about anger. Yeah, and I the can. anger that's inside of us all. Did you did you feel like you learned anything about anger? Any life lessons about anger? No, I learned that it shouldn't mess with your kids' DNA. That's what I learned. Oh, there's some insight, I guess, for all of you <laughs> soon-to-be fathers out there. Do not do blood experiments on yourself. No human experimentation on yourself right before you're about to conceive. Right, changing lives. Yeah, that's. They don't tell you that in sex education. No, they don't. No, they leave that part out. We got to reform the sex education yeah. in this country. All right, <laughs> moving on. Some other positive reviews. This is from Rex Reed, also from the Observer. What the Observer's Ooh. getting two. Two, these can't be the same observer. Hang on. We got to find out what observer this is. One's Phoenix and one's Scranton. Yeah. <laughs> Does not say. It's just a tomato meter approved publication. Okay. Coincidentally, from Rex Reed, also from the observer. Possibly the same observer. We don't know. Big, dopey, and crammed with special effects that take the breath away. <laughs> Darren, this guy did not see Finding Nemo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I can't say anything more than that. All right, moving on. Another positive review. All right, this this one kind of hits at what we were talking about. This is from Peter Rayner from New York Magazine and Vulture. Despite the profusion of computer-generated effects, which rousingly bring the green guy to life. I often felt, for better and for worse, that I was watching a comic book movie reconceived as a piece of serious myth-making. I think he doesn't say monster movie, but he's kind of hinting at it. That it's, it's, it's not really hitting as a, as a comic book movie. It's supposed to be, but it doesn't quite get there. So clearly, Ang Lee's whole attempt to make a Greek, you know, tragedy, a Greek mythology story, it landed with Peter Rayner. He yeah, saw it. Yeah. So I gotta give him credit there. You know, he he did get across the tragedy part of it. Like it was very clear we were watching a tragedy. Yeah. Um, it's framed in a comic book movie. Um, all right. Are you ready for some negative reviews? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Mike Clark from USA Today says lee tries to spruce it all up with heavy use of split screen which is sometimes clever and sometimes distracting but nothing can distract us from the overriding reality that too much of hulk is a sulk <laughs> nice rhyme there liked it well done my clark <laughs> now i can read this in two ways is he saying that seeing the Hulk on screen too much is a sulk and that he'd rather see more Bruce Banner and see more of Bruce Banner's story? Or is he saying that the movie, The Hulk, is just too sulky, too too mopey? I feel like the latter. That's That would be my guess. And I mean, I, I think that's an argument for the Greek tragedy thing, but like maybe that's not what he, this reviewer, thinks a superhero movie should be. Like... I didn't go to the theater to watch a Greek tragedy. I went to watch a superhero movie. Mike Clark is probably very happy with the modern day MCU yeah. because it's all jokes, all laughter and action. Yeah. All right. Mike Clark says, save your Greek tragedies for Greek tragedies. For Greek tragedies. <laughs> Get back on the stage. I like this from Mark Rayner from Seattle Times. I don't, I don't have much to say on this, but Mark Rayner says, 
an arty, farty superhero flick. <laughs> That's hard-hitting journalism right there. Arty, farty. Uh, Mike LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle, kind of following along the same line, a thinking person's movie with precious little for anyone to think about, except for a green giant smashing things. Yeah. I think there were some things to think about. Yeah. I mean... But I, I think he's saying that, like, you know, it was a it was a movie that was trying to be too deep. It's hard to make a superhero movie really deep. You know, that's I think it's easier to make a monster movie deep than it is to make a superhero movie deep. Yeah, I don't. I I felt pretty deep in Avengers: Infinity War. I gotta say, I those scenes with Tony Stark, I <laughs> some pretty deep scenes. I you see the thing is that that's what keeps him alive. It's his heart. <laughs> this came out around the same time as x2 which also kind of has wolverine with the tortured past thing and he's trying to remember his tortured past yeah um so it's a pretty prevalent theme in superhero movies like you don't get to be a superhero movie with a happy story no maybe ant-man but that's just (laughs) paul rudd (laughs) yeah Paul Rudd's whole family could get murdered and just be like, oh, Paul Rudd. <laughs> Things are great. <laughs> um, all right. So a few more of the Rodden uh, reviews. We'll see if they hold up. Okay. This one this one bothers me a little bit here. Stephen Witte from the Newark Star-Ledger said, this green-eyed monster may be the perfect symbol of an angry time, but he's an impossible hero to cheer perfect symbol of an angry time was he alluding to that it was 2003 an angry time i don't know i right, we're post 9 11 so i guess there's a little bit of national i mean there's national anger but i don't yeah I think it was a pretty enlightened time yeah and then what was the second half again this I'm is sorry. In the 90s grunge era you know <laughs> um the second part is what really bothered me but he's an impossible hero to cheer you find yourself cheering for hulk in this movie where you're standing Hell on yeah. your couch no but not standing on my couch but i wanted him to be okay i, I think i was cheering for him to yeah every time he was smashing things i was cheering for him yeah yeah do some more smashing they're trying to kill you i think the hulk is because he's misunderstood right yeah uh, hulk just like frankenstein's monster uh just like dr jekyll and mr hyde he's a misunderstood creature yeah um, I think the MC, the modern day MCU has done a kind of a fun job of making you understand him more and showing you the duality that uh, when the Hulk is in control, it's not necessarily Bruce Banner. Like Thor Ragnarok really brings that. They basically state it, you know, whereas yeah. in other movies, it's more subtle that yeah. it's kind of two different entities. Um, yeah. And this, it was subtle because there's, you have that, that very brief scene where he's, I think it's a dream actually, where he's looking at the mirror and the Hulk busts through the mirror, grabs him, and calls him "you puny human." As and that's like the the only scene where it's like completely separates Bruce Banner and the Hulk as like two separate entities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was cheering for him. I was cheering the whole time. Yeah. All right, one more. All right, two more. I'm gonna sneak this one in from <laughs> Bruce Westbrook from the Houston Chronicle: a pretentious souffle that never truly rises. <laughs> Bruce is also an amateur chef. <laughs> you can see Bruce's 
You can see Bruce's cooking show, The Pretentious Souffle, where he makes perfect souffles every time and criticizes yours. Bruce actually comes over to your house and watches you make souffles and criticizes it because he's the pretentious souffle. All right. Our last our last review, our last round review from uh, Renee Rodriguez from the Miami Herald. For all its stylistic energy, the Hulk remains curiously flat and uninvolving whenever the monster is off screen. Yeah, that's a good review. I think Renee kind of nailed it. Yeah, that's solid. Um, yeah, I in that first forty-two minutes is it's a little bit tough to get through. I mean, yeah, I understand you got to make us wait for it a little bit, but by the time he finally showed up, it's like it it's about time. Yeah, yeah, and we we talked about like really just the action scenes being like the the action being okay, and that's only when Hulk is hulking, and the rest is just kind of. Meh. Well, there you go. There are your critic reviews. Um, some fair, some not, some good, some bad, uh, but always entertaining, what the <laughs> critics have to say. All right. Our next question is usually asking about a sequel. Now, we've seen where the Hulk goes in the MCU. We see where the Hulk, uh, obviously, the Hulk has a lineage of stories from the comic books. If we were to go take 2003's Hulk and make a sequel for it, do, do you think they could have gone anywhere with a sequel? Not really. I mean, yeah, so the movie ends and, you know, he's alive doing science things in the jungle. I don't really know where you would go with it. I think it would just be like kind of a repeat of, it would just be like the same movie, maybe fighting different people or, you know, because it's like the, the misunderstood character. Is it, does ever, anyone ever truly understand him? So, going into the comic book lore, if we're going to dive into the comic book lore, Hulk does... He kind of has to leave the planet to finally gain some acceptance. Um, I, and, you know, Bruce Banner, in some iterations, does eventually marry Betty Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you have that whole romantic line that always runs through a Bruce Banner Hulk story. Um, but it isn't until he gets off planet where he kind of, and then you have like the planet Hulk storylines where he's fighting as a gladiator, where he finally gets some acceptance um, or comes to terms with who he is. So I guess that's that's where it could go. But and those could be fun. I mean, if they were done right, I suppose like his gladiator times, like if that could be a fun movie. But I don't know if you're if, if the point of the Hulk is to really kind of emphasize his inner struggle. I don't know that you'd be able to execute that in a, like a, just a pure gladiator movie or something like that. Yeah. And, and if Ang Lee was truly making a Greek tragedy, it all has to come tumbling down at the end. Right. Which this movie doesn't. He's in South America, you know, right. about to Hulk out again on right. some South American drug lords. But... If it's a Greek tragedy, it's got to come all crumbling down. Which right. You can't have a sequel. You can't have a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so longtime listeners of the No Meh Movies podcast know that this is the part of the podcast where we kind of go to our, our fast thoughts, our additional thoughts, you know, notes that we had on the movie. Teenage Bruce. We haven't talked about Teenage Bruce yet. <laughs> There's one scene of Teenage Bruce. Why? I know, right? It took me a second. I was like, wait, what's they just they threw in another actor just for that those 45 seconds? The guy's going around his high school right now going, I swear to God, I'm playing the Hulk. They're like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. I, 
I was waiting for that scene to have some kind of relevance as to Hulk's, to Bruce Banner's growth or why he got interested in science. I thought maybe that, maybe that was going to be the like, you know, show us why he got interested. Because if he didn't know his father, barely knew his father, you only knew him up until he was a few years old. Yeah. Why is he interested in science? Maybe that was what they were going to introduce, but no, he just tells his mom, (laughs) his adopted mother that he's scared to go to college and that. Yeah, they, you know, maybe they could have been like he knew Talbot in high school, and they were like enemies then, and they stayed enemy. You know, like some you could have done something. But yeah, <laughs> if it works for Spider Man so well, right? Yeah, yeah, high school bully, right? All right, um, all right, moving down my notes here. Uh, we got a good Stan Lee and Lou Ferrigno cameo. Yeah. I did like that. Um, if you haven't seen any of the Lou Ferrigno like TV show Hulk, I love that they used an actual bodybuilder back then. Like, if you look at like the spider, the old Spider-Man TV show that got him in like a weird suit, you know, cheesy yeah, suit, yeah. and the old, uh, some of the old suits back then, uh, like the old you know '60s Batman suit yeah. and stuff like that. But I like that they were like, no, we're not gonna put him in a padded suit. We're just gonna find the biggest guy in Hollywood <laughs> and paint him green. Yeah. So it was good to see Lou Ferrigno, Stan Lee with their cameo. Yeah. Um. All right, I got another nit- nitpick and. This will tie into, so in Mr. 3000, the nitpick was about beepers, right? Yeah. All right. He pulls out of his desk drawer an envelope of Kodak film <laughs> in 2003. True. And the pictures he was looking at, he looks exactly the same. So it's we aren't led to believe that they were old pictures. They were very recent, probably. Yeah. I, I mean... Maybe your parents had some Kodak film laying around, you know, those Kodak envelopes laying around in 2003. But I I think we were pretty much on the camera phones at that point. Yeah. Not good camera phones, but we had camera phones. Angley's really he's old. A, he's he's a, an old school director. Yeah. Photography purist. <laughs> okay. The line from Talbot where he said, there's a hair's breadth between friendly offer and hostile takeover. Had you ever heard the expression hair's breadth before? No. Is it like, do you think it meant hair as in like the animal? A hair? So apparently it is an expression that means a very short distance. It's a hair's breadth. Is it spelled H-A-I-R or H-A-R-E? H-A-I-R. Hair doesn't breathe. I I don't know. <laughs> A hair's distance, maybe? A hair's Was gap? it often used in Greek tragedies? <laughs> Odysseus said to his mother, <laughs> there's a hair's breath. <laughs> I, I don't know. I heard that expression and my ears were like, what? What did he just say? <laughs> I don't know. In context, you got it, but you're, you're still like, what? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Can a human being shield another human being from a radiation blast? I would have. I always assumed no. I feel like if it's like out there, it's just out there. Like you're, if you're in the room, you're contaminated. Yeah, that's the assumption I got. Not being, not being a scientist or ever dealing with radiation. That's the assumption I have. If there's any scientists out, nuclear scientists out there <laughs> listening to this, please tweet at us and explain to us how gamma radiation works. Is yeah. it? Is it linear? Is it directional? Or is it omnidirectional? Is it all over? Does it fill the entire room? Because I got to think that other guy in that room 
probably got irradiated too. Yeah, for sure. All right. We never see him again though, so we have no idea, do we? Oh, he could have died. Yeah. We don't know. I think he ran out of the room or something <laughs> like that. Did he? I, yeah, we never see him again. He's he's dead. That's what the sequel's about. Oh. It's the entire movie told again from his point of view. Yes. <laughs> I have a couple nitpicky things. And may, and I could be wrong about them, so I want you to correct me if I am. One, did her did Betty's house change? The dog scene, she like she's like lives in like a sh- like a cabin shack thing, and then when she comes back later, after like her dad kicks her out, says so you can't see him again, she's like in a suburb. I. I believe they imply that that's some kind of summer house okay. of theirs, some okay. kind of summer cabin. Okay, yeah. okay. Because that threw me. I was like, that is not the same house. And then second, was that entire lab constructed just for him when they decided they were going to take him? <laughs> that he he was he, everything fit perfectly around him. Everybody knows that's how science works. <laughs> Whatever scientific experiment you're working on, instantly that size lab equipment <laughs> is readily available. Like he fit down the underground tunnel perfectly. I mean, Darren, I know you don't do a lot of nuclear testing, but <laughs> let me tell you a little bit from my expertise. When you do nuclear testing, you have to assume that someone on the staff is going to get irradiated <laughs> and turn into a giant hulking monster. And you have to be prepared for these contingencies. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's fair. That's, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. We have a tank right here in our recording studio. Just, <laughs> Just in case in you case. hulk out, we can secure you. <laughs> it's good to know. It's reassuring. A few more notes from the movie. The scene where all the cops surround him at the end. So like he, yeah. he jumps into San Francisco and he's doing all his destruction in San Francisco. And next thing you know, like all the cops in the city are on him. The yeah. National Guard is on him. It, it felt like a scene in Grand Theft Auto. It felt like if anyone's ever played Grand Theft Auto, the more destruction and horror and terror you cause, the more your police meter builds up and the more cops are after you. So yeah. if you steal one car, maybe a cop sees it, one cop will be chasing you. But by the time you're done, there's like every cop in the city on your tail. Chasing <laughs> Helicopters. You. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like Hulk had leveled himself up in Grand Theft Auto and they're like, call in everybody. Send them everybody. <laughs> And then I thought it was it was weird too. So they were at a distance. They all got there and they were all like set up and were pointing their guns and stuff like that, like ready to shoot if necessary, if if called upon. And then they all started getting a lot closer and then just just like real close. Not to shoot, just to be close. And then stopped like a few feet from him. And that was it. And I was like, are they is that like a, they feel bad for him or they're sympathizing so they want to be close to him? <laughs> Hollywood has a problem with military and police being unaware of how ineffective their guns are against <laughs> superhero characters. I got to shoot this guy point blank or it is not going to work. Let's see here. You know, the the uh, heavy artillery mounted to the back of our trucks hasn't worked. A tank cannon hasn't worked. A helicopter machine gun hasn't worked. Let me pull out my nine millimeter pistol <laughs> and uh, line up the Hulk here just in case he makes a move. I think I think I got the shot. So going through uh, 
some Hulk trivia, courtesy of IMDb. Nice. So this is fun for Mr. 3000. So according to IMDb, other actors who were considered for the role of Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. it was initially offered to Billy Crudup. I have no idea who that is. You may remember him from the movie Almost Famous. Oh. He played the, the reporter uh, kid. No, 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 the guitar player. Ah, okay. Uh, Russell. Okay. The head guitar or the the lead guitar player from. Oh, I gotta remember the band's name. How can I not remember the <laughs> band's name from Almost Famous? Stillwater. Stillwater. Nice. Didn't even get to it on IMDb. Thought of it first. <laughs> Other people considered apparently because so this was in um this was in development for about twelve years. Really? It's, in 1990, they started considering doing a solo Hulk movie. Wow. And uh, tons of versions of the script were written mm-hmm. until we get what we got in 2003. So throughout the 90s, uh, Tom Cruise was also considered. Johnny Depp, I hear, was very heavily considered throughout the 90s. Jeff Goldblum, David Duchovny, and Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to have seen any of those actors? <laughs> Steve Buscemi. <laughs> With Nick Nolte as his father? Yes. Oh, my God. That would have been great. Because <laughs> I feel Steve Buscemi can do cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it would have been similar to Edward Norton's Bruce Banner, but a little sillier with that Steve Buscemi charm to it. Yeah. But it's hard to... F- I don't know. I, it's hard to feel bad for steve buscemi in any of his movies like i you know i can't is there a movie where he's even in con air where he plays the worst villain on the plane yeah you you are actually like happy that he gets away in the end yeah you're rooting for him yeah (laughs) i never i never feel bad for him he's always i'm never like oh darn steve buscemi's tough I don't, you know, it's just... He's probably not going to be cast in many Greek tragedies. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, Jeff Goldblum did play a scientist in The Fly. I mean, Jeff Goldblum basically has played this already. A yeah. scientist who experiments on himself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And turns himself into a creature. That's a great movie. Um, that is a good movie. There you go. <laughs> it won't be on the No <laughs> Movies podcast. Uh, Johnny Depp at this... Uh, I guess if they were considering him in the 90s. By the time that this comes out, Pirates of the Caribbean is already in theaters, so yeah. his career's on a whole different path. Yeah, yeah. There's some interesting choices. I think Mark Ruffalo is kind of nailing it right now. Yeah. He almost plays like a feeble, helpless, incredibly smart person. Yeah. Which is a, a weird contrast. He's getting like dragged along by Thor in Ragnarok, but he's also a brilliant man. Yeah. It's just socially awkward. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more thoughts from the Hulk before we wrap this up? Is that the only trivia? Is that the, you want more trivia? I want one more. Okay. This is, again, trivia according to IMDb. To prepare for his role as General Thaddeus E. Thunderbolt Ross, Sam Elliott read the Hulk comic books. Good research. He had doubts about growing a mustache since the army doesn't encourage facial hair, but was convinced by Ang Lee to do so. <laughs> Could that be the best decision Ang Lee made for this entire movie? <laughs> <laughs> yes or at least up there in the top three like when ang lee goes back and watches this you know <laughs> god, in his home theater a good mustache thank god i fought for the mustache <laughs> oh thank god i paid that mustache stylist one of the things we said earlier was that ang lee took inspiration from frankenstein and from dr jekyll and mr hyde which 
is interesting because in 2003, the scrolling down to it, scrolling down to it, I think it's in the 40s somewhere, the 43 highest grossing movie of 2003 (laughs) was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which featured Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah, that was more of a super, felt more superhero even, I felt like, if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, it was more of an adventure. You had uh, Alan Quartermain, you had Tom Sawyer, you had Dorian Gray, yeah. these uh, Captain Nemo, the Bride of Bride of Dracula. So you had these adventurous characters, and they throw in Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, a tragic character. Yeah. I don't know. What would you what would you what monster would you rather watch? Would you rather watch 2003's Hulk or would you rather watch Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from 2003? I think I'd have to go Jekyll and Hyde. It's a more interesting character than Bruce Banner, I feel like. At least in this iteration. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say that the effects for the Hulk are much better <laughs> yeah. than the effects for Hyde. Yeah. Wrapping up the podcast here. Now, there's no meh movies allowed. So we got to decide once and for all. Darren, is this a good movie or is this a bad movie? I'm going to have to go with this as a bad movie. I enjoyed the action. I really enjoyed Nick Nolte. <laughs> but but it just, it it didn't, it doesn't have an identity. It doesn't, it, it doesn't really know where it stands. Um, I, th- I think that the Greek tragedy thing was like a cool effort i think it was a cool thing to go after but i i think it's it doesn't quite work with a superhero movie if you're really trying to make a superhero movie so i think it kind of it doesn't execute the way it was it was hoping to yeah let the hulk be fun we want to go and enjoy hulk we want to let us let us enjoy his smashing let us enjoy his character let us enjoy the struggle between the hulk and bruce banner I, I agree. Bad movie. I can't recommend you go out and see this. Or pay three ninety nine on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's in the category of bad movie. I'm sorry, Angley. I'm sorry, Eric Banna. 2003 Hawk. A bad movie. It's okay, Angley. You did some really cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That is our review of the Hulk on the No Meh Movies podcast. Now, we've got some uh, good meh movies coming up for you in May. Uh, There's no big movie release coming out uh, next week. So we're going to have a different theme to next week's show. Uh, We might be theming it around a birthday. Yeah, May May 1st birthday. I love birthdays. Um, So. Cake. That's right. We're going to do our favorite cake movies. Ooh. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening to us on. You can follow us on Twitter at NoMehMovies, and you can also leave us a message using the Anchor app. Let us know what you thought of the movie or ask us a question about the movie. We plan on collecting our favorite responses and doing a listener mailbag episode in the future. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, for supporting the show. And the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance and tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there are no meh movies.
so something this movie does is the the use of time and they do uh, this isn't told linear linear this isn't told linearly i can't say it <laughs> linear you try it linear it's not a linear story 